This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, this episode of The Works. I'm Keith Williams, your host. And uh, today we're going to uh, talk about a conference that I went to in Montgomery. Um, just bringing you highlights of the Power on the Line Homecoming 2022 conference that took place on Friday, September the 23rd on the campus of Alabama State University in Montgomery. Uh, this conference was designed to teach people how to use their voices for change. Uh, topics included would be the, uh, there's two Supreme Court cases uh, that are, that's going to be heard in the next couple of weeks. Also, uh, there was uh, a handful of panelists that talked about things such as uh, lack of education, lack of quality healthcare, voter suppression. And of course, in the news, there's been, uh, there's been instances to where uh, individual organizations have sued states because they're voting uh, the district that they had drawn, whether it's uh, 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 state legislative districts or or congressional districts in certain states, they uh, individuals, organizations, they sue those states because they felt that it was a violation of the Voter Rights Act. And so one of those cases is in Alabama uh, where um, you had an organization and some voters, they had sued the state of Alabama, the Alabama Secretary of State, you know, rather John Merrill. So, so he was sued because they felt that the, the lines, the congressional lines, which was joined in 20, 2021, violated the Voting Rights Act of 1965, in which the way that was drawn, uh, they sort of packed you know, all the African-American voters into one district, and that's District 7, and, and uh, in district, Congressional District 7, and in that district is being uh, represented by uh, Democrat Terry Sewer. And so that's one of the reasons why the Secretary of State was being sued. And so that case is actually going before the Supreme Court. And that uh, case would be heard on October the 4th. So uh, Greater, Greater Birmingham, so Greater Birmingham Ministries and the Great, Greater, Greater, Greater Birmingham, Greater Birmingham Ministries and uh, 
the Greater, Greater Birmingham Ministries is uh, sponsoring a trip to Washington, D.C., uh, where uh, uh, organizations, individuals, organizations will have an opportunity to actually uh, sit in and uh, uh, hear that case. Uh, so that's one of the things that um, has been uh, talked about. Um, uh, another another thing that was being talked about is uh, uh, some of the issues that are uh, you know being faced in this country. Of course, uh, one of the things that they talked about was uh, a lot of the talk was centered around uh, voter suppression. Um, after the twenty twenty um, general election. Uh, which we elected uh, Joe Biden as president, the 46th president of the United States. A lot of states across the country had uh, rewrote some of their voters, voting laws, uh, which obviously suppress African-Americans and people of color, um, particularly in North Carolina, where the North Carolina state legislator want to pass legislation in which will give control over how elections are run to the legislature. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that's normally the job that is handled by the Secretary of State. So if that bill passed, there's really no need for a Secretary of State. Uh, because the Secretary of State in an individual state, that job is different from being the Secretary of State for the United States. Because the Secretary of State for the United States does not deal, you know, in elections. Uh, they have their own uh, election you know, you know, that is uh, they don't even have their own there's no national election commission, but each state has one. And, and in your counties, in your states, they also have an election commission. So those are the ones that handle elections. So it's not you know, just one central election commission. It's basically that part is handed down to the state. And the main person that handles everything that has to do with election is the Secretary of State. So that commission is accountable to the Secretary of State. So if the North Carolina legislator have their way, then uh, they not only would have control over the state legislators, but there's really would not be a need for a secretary of state. So these are just some examples of, so, this, so those are just examples of, of voter, uh, of voter su suppression in 2022. Um, I'm also gonna share, I'm, I'm also gonna share some more 
things that are in the news that is uh, related to uh, the voter suppression uh, topics that are, you know, being discussed and how that is affecting the midterm election. So first place we're going to go is uh, we're going to talk about some of these voting laws. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that in, in light of Joe Biden winning the presidency two years ago, a lot of states had uh, revamped uh, their laws. So, you know, go, going here, uh, so we at the Bremen, Bremen Center for Justice uh, website and what one you know you know one of the things that they uh so one of the things big things that was going on you know two years ago is that they were saying that uh, the election was stolen from President Trump and that we needed to examine the voting laws in our state to to make sure that our elections are secure. So the whole time that they they was talking about election security. Well, what they really mean is that, you know, we need to stop as many people as we possibly can from voting. Uh, particularly, that's going to affect African-Americans and people of color. So this year, state lawmakers have focused on enacting election interference legislation with six states already passing nine laws that threaten to undermine voters' confidence and security of election. So this year, state lawmakers who spent 2021 passing laws that made it harder to vote had focused more intently on election interference, passing nine laws that could lead to tampering and how elections are worn, are run, and how results are determined. Also in the state of Alabama, uh, during the 2022 legislative session, there was a bill on the floor that uh, suggests, you know, two things. One, that uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember this. So one of the, one of the things that they talked about, you know, was the fact that if you know there was a law that says, okay, we can't, you know, organizations cannot. Uh, engage in voter education or there there was problems with uh you know making sure that people have rise to the polls so uh you know those you know those you know was you know two things and that uh and the penalty was that you would spend 48 hours in jail you would be heavily fined it and you cannot run for office. Another thing that they talked about was uh, strengthening, you know, the, the so-called methods in which uh, individuals, you know, will be able to, right? uh, there's a lot of states that, you know, that have uh, voter ID laws in which you have to have a certain type of identification, you know, in order to vote, such as a driver's license or state ID card. And that we know that there are certain individuals in the country that don't have neither. 
Uh, so that could potentially mean thousands of people would not be able to vote. Election interference laws do two primary things. They open the door to partisan interference in the election, or they threaten the people and processes that make elections work. In many cases, these efforts are being justified as measures to combat baseless claims of widespread voter fraud and a stolen 2020 election. Folks, that have not existed. There has, there has never been any evidence produced to suggest that the 2020 election was stolen. And to this day, there has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud in any state in the United States. Now, between January 1st and May 4th of this year, six state legislators, Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Oklahoma has passed nine election interference laws. As of May 4th, 17 such bills introduced this year are still moving through five state legislators. Of course, they mentioned Alabama uh, because uh, you know they you know they too uh, not only had uh, an election interference law. Of uh, voter interference laws, you know, in place, but they also had an anti-protest bill that was coming out as well. And so, one of the reasons why that they uh, instituted this anti-protest bill, uh, it also it not only had to do with elections and, and voting, but it also had to do, you know, with some of the issues, you know, that was going that's going on recently. Uh, such as police brutality, uh, officer-involved shooting, and mistreatment of people of color, the poor, and the homeless. I am happy to say that I have been in the trenches, on the ground, fighting to kill these bills. So this is one of the things that the panelists was talking about, particularly we had a young lady that was from Florence um, who uh, was directly involved in killing these bills. And I mentioned in the city of Birmingham that we had, uh, that we was dealing with, uh, and we advocated for the eradication of uh, these election interference laws, as well as these anti-protest uh, bills uh, that was passed during the state legislature. Also during, also during that time, the city of Birmingham, under uh, the leadership of Mayor Randall Whitman, also tried uh, to institute some type of curfew, which was, you know, in which uh, citizens was only allowed to, you know, protest through these specific hours. I believe it was from 12 noon to 3 p.m. at this one particular location, which was identified as an anti-protest ordinance. And look, we told them, like, if you don't get rid of this, we're going to sue you 
and the city. And this was to, you know, response, uh, you know, several individuals, uh, you know, that was killed, whether it was nation, whether, whether it was Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or E.J. Bradford, right in, uh, in Hoover. So it was response to that. And so you have uh, individuals and organizations all over the state that instituted similar curfew and that the grassroots community had joined forces and these bills were killed. So in response to that, and it also had to do with uh, uh, there, there, there's recently there's been you know massive protests as well um, for uh, state legislators to you know to ba basically to tear down Confederate monuments. So as a response to all of that, you had these anti-protest laws, and you have these uh, election interference laws. Instead of Alabama, you know, there was no different. In Birmingham, at Lynn Park, there was uh, a Confederate monument uh, that the public wanted to be, you know, pushed down. Now they have this anti, you know, they have this Monument Preservation Act here in Alabama that suggests that if you do take down a monument, that you would be fined $25,000. So that's what happened. The, the, the monument was taken down and the city of Birmingham was charged $25,000. Well, guess what? The people of the city, they went on uh, GoFundMe and they raised that $25,000. They said, we would be happy, you know, to pay this fine, but it's not going to do, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to do you any good. You know, you know, it's not going to do any good to punish the city of Birmingham to have something that on display that represents, it represents slavery, it represents the Confederacy, a nation that no longer exists, it represents white supremacy. And it has no business being on display. It should be in a museum. So if we want to so preserve history, send it to a museum. That's, that's where most of uh, your historical artifacts are at anyway. They are in a museum. So what makes you think that the Confederacy is different than any other time period, whether it's in American history or world history? You know, it does not matter. And so I remember there was a lot of rallies and a lot of protests to where now we can hear Birmingham all across the country and we're seeing journalists and activists being thrown in jail just because they was executing their First Amendment rights to a peaceful protest. And they were threatened with jail time. They were threatened with fines. Uh, they were threatened with uh, loss of job, loss of income. All, all of these things, you know, have taken place so much that the national media outlets like CNN and MSNBC, they took, uh, you know, took a hold of this. Not only in the state of Alabama, but also in Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Oklahoma. 
they had done a series of reports on these anti-protest bills. And we cannot forget about Texas, which Texas is part of, part of this too, even though they, uh, they have tried to pass uh, election interference laws, but they never made it you know, on the floor, yet alone the book. You know, but they did have some type of anti-protest laws uh, in Texas, uh, bills in Texas uh, that was never passed. And so the national media, you know, got a hold of that. And MSNBC, I believe, or CNN, one of them, actually came to the city of Birmingham, uh, where we uh, did a segment on the anti uh, protest law bill that was introduced by the state legislator in 2021, I believe. And that bill was actually defeated. It was either last year or, or, or this session. I'm not, I'm not sure, but it, it was recent. But through the efforts of the grassroots community uh, from activists and organizers all over the state of Alabama, we managed to kill that bill. Now, speaking of that, moving bills are those that have passed at least one chamber of the state legislature or has some sort of committee action. For example, hearing since the beginning of 2022, an amendment or a or committee vote. In total, lawmakers in 27 states have proposed at least 148 election interference bills. Now, these bills had either, uh, you know, was an amendment, went through a committee vote, or has passed to at least one chamber of the state legislature. But none of, but none of, but none of these bills, but none of these bills was ended up in the books. In fact, in many of the same states that I just mentioned, Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Oklahoma, lawmakers have continued to introduce or enact laws that restrict access to the vote. Legislation is categorized as restrictive if it would make it harder for eligible Americans to register, stay on the roads, and or vote as compared to existing state law. Now, here in Alabama, for example, is one of several states in which uh, they actually purge thousands of people off the voters' law. Fortunately, you had a lot of organizations that stay on top of that and say, you know, hey, check your check your your voting status and make sure that you're still on the roll. And if you're not, you know, go ahead and re-register. There is no law that says that if your name has been taken on the voters voters roll, that you cannot go back and and re-register the vote. There is no law and no state in the union that does that. In addition to uh to, to two of such laws enacted in Arizona and in Mississippi are restricted 
ballot initiative in Arizona passed both houses and will be placed on the ballot for voters in the November general election. Now, there are several states that have such an amendment that would be on the ballot that was passed by both houses, both, both houses of the state legislature, and it's going to appear on the ballot. Um, in Alabama, we have one of such of those laws that are similar to the one that was passed in Arizona that's going to be on the ballot. So on November the 7th, when we uh, do our, our preview of the 2020 primary general election, we're going to go over those 10 amendments in a way that uh, people will be able to understand because we, we know that when amendments are on the ballot, they, they are really vague, they're long-winded, and people really don't understand, so they just check more anything. So we're going to actually break down those amendments for you. There are 10 amendments, and one of those amendments have to do with uh, the so-called uh, voter interference uh, laws that are being passed across the country. So on November the 7th, the day before the election, OBS will have a special uh, news report where we're going to preview uh, the 2022 primary election, a uh, general election. We're going to tell you uh, some of the key races, what's at state, what's going to be on the ballot, and then we're going to go locally in the state of Alabama to break down those 10 amendments. So be sure to join us on that. That's Monday, November the 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. No, I'm, I'm sorry, that's, uh, seven, that's 7 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Central. So, so everything I'm telling you uh, here uh, has to do with the uh, uh, the conference that I went to, you know, on yesterday, but uh, they they mentioned about these uh, voter suppression or voter restrict restricted or voter interference, you know, laws. So that's one of the main things that they uh, talked about. So we're so these type of laws are going to be placed on the ballot in the November primary general election. As of May 4, 2022, at least 34 bills with restricted provisions are moving through 11 state legislatures. Overall, lawmakers in 39 states have considered at least 393 restrictive bills for the 2022 legislative session. Since the beginning of 2021, 18 states have passed 34 restrictive voting laws, which disproportionately affect voters of color. At the same time, Arizona, Connecticut, New York, and Oregon enact five laws that would expand access to the vote. Legislation is characterized as expansive as if it would make it easier for eligible Americans to register, stay on the road, 
and or vote as compared to existing state law. As of May 4, 2022, at least 48 bills with expanded provisions are moving through 16 state legislatures and the DC City Council. Overall, lawmakers in 44 states and Washington, D.C. had considered at least 596 expansive bills for the 2022 legislative session. Almost half of the state legislators meeting or have met in 2022 have now ended their legislative session. Legislators are in the second year of their two-year session when they generally tend to pass fewer laws than in the first year. This year follows that trend. Normally, when you are in election year, uh, state legislators or, or, or even the US Congress, they pass fewer laws in an election year you know, than they do in an off election year. Now, between January 1st and May 4th, six states, Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Oklahoma had enacted nine election interference law. As of May 4, 2022, at least 11 election interference bills are moving through five state legislatures. Overall, lawmakers in 27 states had introduced at least 148 election interference bills in the 2022 legislative session. This legislation is fueled by election denialism and falsehood about voter fraud. The passage of election interference legislation is part of an alarming trend that emerged in state legislators in 2021 and represents a direct legislature attack on fair election administration. I also mentioned that earlier that in North Carolina, they are working on legislation in which the state legislator will have complete control over the election process, a process that's normally handled by the office of the Secretary of State. The nine enacted election interference laws permit partisan actors to interfere with election operations or overturn election results, direct new resources towards prosecuting election crimes, and threatening election officials with criminal penalties. Seven of these laws would be in place for the 2022 midterm election. So here's the fact. Three laws in Georgia create a risk of partisan interference with election and election results. Two bills, Georgia Bill, House Bill 1368 and Georgia House Bill 1050 place current election superintendents and create new county boards of election in Miller and Montgomery County. The members of the boards would be appointed by the partisan county commission. A similar bill, Georgia House Bill 1432, changes the makeup of the Dawson County Board of Election 
so that one party can effectively control a majority of the five seats. This legislation is part of a particular trend where the Georgia legislature has given partisan, county partisan commissions more control over election administration. Similar Georgia laws from 2021 led to the ouster of several black election officials. Two laws in Georgia and Florida created new entities dedicated to pursuing election crimes. Florida's Senate Bill 524 created a new election crimes office within the Florida Department of State, tasked with investigating and re referring for prosecution, prosecution violations of election law. The law also requires the governor to appoint dedicated special officers to receive and investigate election law complaints in each law enforcement region across the state. Similarity, Georgia Senate Bill 441 grants the Georgia Bureau of Investigation authority to investigate election crimes and refer any violations for prosecution. Both pieces of legislature expand existing authority and direct more resources toward investigating and prosecuting election crimes, risking the intimidation or harassment of voters and election officials. This legislation is fueled by the false pretense of voter fraud, which in itself rarely occurs, but continues to be used as a baseless justification for additional state investigative and prosecutional resources. Four laws in four states created new criminal penalties for election officials. In Alabama, Kentucky, and Oklahoma, three new laws made it a criminal offense to solicit, accept, or use private funding for election-related expenses. This is also including uh, voter education, voter engagement, and it also had to do with uh, absentee voting. And in some cases, you could be criminalized or penalized for giving uh, you know, people food and water while they're waiting in line to vote. In 2020, election officials acceptance and use of private funding enabled them to run safe and secure elections. So, so in other words, there, there's never been any type of voter fraud or election irregularities when private funding was used for election-related expenses. Criminalizing that action prevents election officials or even grassroots organizations from accessing funding beneficial for election administration and that's also includes voter engagement and voter education. It puts them at risk for prosecution for otherwise ordinary conduct. And in Arizona, a new law established a felony offense for an election official who fails to comport with new restricted citizen verification requirements and inadvertently accept a non-citizen's voter registration. Imposing criminal penalties on ordinary election administration conduct 
or inverted mistakes could deter individuals from serving as election officials, which is why there is a shortage of people wanting to serve as election officials, such as poll workers. So now you see why there is a, a shortage of poll workers because you have, you know, because you have laws like this that put people in jeopardy. And they don't want to risk being prosecuted for something that is ordinary election activity. So they don't want to su subject to that type of criminality. That's why you have a, a shortage, but there's going to be a shortage of poll work. At a time when election officials are already fearful for their safety, the prospects of new criminal penalties add another deterrent for staff and election. So as long as this continues to go on, they're, they're, we're going to have a shortage of, of poll workers and other uh, and, and, uh, and have an adequate uh, staff for elections. So wait, there's more. So five, you have five bills moving in three states, Arizona, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island that will initiate bias, suspect reviews of elections and election results. These reviews will lack transparency and fail to set aside basic safety, basic security, accuracy, and reliability measure. They are also part of a movement in state legislation to undermine faith in the electoral process. Four of the bills moving in two states, Arizona and Rhode Island, will require or authorize suspect audit processes for future elections. This legislation uniformly lacks basic security, accuracy, and reliability measures for these suspect reviews, restoring inordinate destruction on individuals, imposing no transparency requirements or failing to mandate clear guidelines on how results are reviewed. For example, Arizona Senate Bill 1259 will give the Attorney General, the Secretary of State, and the Legislative Council, as well as any Arizona resident, the broad power to demand a recount of election or specific precinct voting center or election district, despite the vote margin not meeting the recount threshold. Normally in any given election, a recount is automatically is imposed if there's a margin below a half of a percent. So bills like this is going to undermine that. Three of the bills moving Arizona would allow for citizens either to initiate fraud review processes or conduct their own reviews of voted ballots. These bills fail to satisfy security measures and reliability measures and will open the door to attempt by outside groups to delegitimize the election process. For example, Arizona Senate Bill 1629 
will require digital images of all vote ballots and fair relations to be made publicly available within 48 hours of, of an election district's campus results being published. This would allow outside groups to publish their own misleading audits of any election would also risk exposing voters' personal information. Now, in the future, there, there, in the future, there, there will, we would post the uh, a recent interview with uh, a cybersecurity expert that's going to be on Facebook and YouTube and Anchor. And one of the things that you know he was talking about is that. Uh, you have individuals, businesses, organizations that that use careless tactics to expose personal information. And so, when it comes to elections, this 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 bill is is going to do just that. It's going to expose voters' personal information, and we're going to find. Uh, it's going to be a field day for hackers. Three bills moving in two states, Arizona and Oklahoma, would expand laws, enforcement power over election-related matters, or would direct additional resources toward investigating or prosecuting alleged election-related crimes. I might just stop right there, but law enforcement, your county sheriff, your city police officers, being involved in re election-related matters and investigating and prosecuting alleged election-related crime. I mean, come on, folks. I mean, I'm sure some of these city police departments and county sheriff's office have a lot more to deal with you know, then someone that's uh, accused of a of election related crime. That is ridiculous. Given that actual voter fraud is vanishingly rare, these new powers could easily be misused to harass or intimidate voters and election officials for partisan gain, threatening fair elections. For example, Arizona Senate Bill 1475 would grant the Attorney General new election-related investigative power. Why, why, why would anyone not want to have a fair election? This is the type of thing that's going to be on the ballot in November. In other words, democracy is on the ballot. If these laws are, are, are passed, not only is it going to undermine the election system, but I don't think we would consider no longer to be a democracy, but we will have some type of authoritativeness. So we will have an authoritative type government, you know, here because we basically will have one party having all of this power. And that particularly those uh, people of color would be you know, left out of not only the, uh, the election and voting process, but the political process as well. 
This is what happened before the Voting Rights Act of 1965, you know, wasn't it? In other words, we're, we're going to go back 50, 60 years. It will be just like it was before the Voting Rights Act was passed. But you're going to continue to tax the hell out of me, and I get no say-so or who I want to represent me. You know, I get no, I cannot participate in the political process. We're, we're, we're going back to the principle of taxation without representation. You know, you're taking my money, but you're not doing anything with it to help me. That, ladies and gentlemen, would be on the ballot. Five states, or five, I'm sorry, five bills moving in three states, Arizona, Oklahoma, and New Hampshire would impose new criminal or civil penalties on election officials for actions to expand voter access or for minor mistakes during their ordinary course of conduct, adding the risk of prosecution to already burdened election officials and contributing to pressures that are pushing election officials to lead the profession. For example, Arizona Senate Bill 1574 would make it a misdemeanor for any county recorder to fail to comply with an unclear and complicated record-keeping requirements about irregularities on election day. And Oklahoma House Bill 3677 would make it a felony to instruct the view or restrict the free movement of a poll watcher, which could empower more aggressive poll watcher interference at polling places. And you're wondering why we're going to you're wondering why we're going to have a shortage of poll workers and election officials. This this has been talked about since the primary. You know, in the primaries we had a, a shortage of election workers, and and possibly in November we're going to have a shortage. Of election officials. Why? Because they don't want to be subjected to all of this unnecessary criminality. And I can't blame them, you know, which means that it's going to be a whole partisan thing, you know, to where one party is going to control the outcome of the election. That's what they want. But we cannot allow them to do that. There's already individuals and organizations that are on the ground, they are fighting to combat this stuff. Do not let these folks intimidate you not to go to the polls on November the 8th or any other election. So when there ever, ever is an election, does not matter what election it is, get your behind off the couch, go to your polling place and cast your ballot. Don't let these folks intimidate you. There, there, there's a whole lot more here. So go to uh, uh, brandoncenter.org. Yeah, I, I got this screenshot here. So it, it, it's, it's just so much, you know, here, like, for example, you know, transferring, uh, transferring, uh, authority over specific aspects of election 
administration to different actors in ways that could open the door for political interference. You know, like for example, certain powers would be transferred from Secretary of State to the state legislature. Now, what does the state legislator know about the job of the Secretary of State? They don't. In fact, these legislators think that they the jack of all trades and they know everything. Ladies and gentlemen, let me fall. These legislators don't know absolutely nothing. If it had not been for these grassroots organizations going through these legislator days across the country, they wouldn't have half of the information or three-fourths of the information that they have now. Another example would be between January 1st and May 4th of this year, Arizona and Mississippi added two laws that redistribute assets to the vote. Missouri, New Hampshire, and Oklahoma each have a restricted bill that passed both chambers and was ready for the governor's signature or veto as of May 4th. Additionally, the Michigan legislature passed two bills with restricted provisions for the governor vetoed. And uh, there was a similar, uh, there was a similar bill that was vetoed in California as well. In Wisconsin, state lawmakers passed three bills with restricted provisions, but the governor also vetoed that. Although legislatures has, have been slow to pass restrictive legislation, at least 34 bills with restricted provisions are still moving through 11 state legislatures. Overall, lawmakers in 39 states have considered at least 393 restricted bills from the 2022 legislative session. In Arizona and Mississippi, they have restrictive uh, uh, documentary proof of citizenship laws for voter registration that enacted the 2022, that will enact the 2022 midterm election. The laws were enacted despite the US Election Assistance Commission determined that uh, documentary proof of citizenship requirements are not necessary to determine a voter's eligibility. And despite a federal court strike down, similar requirements were enacted last year. Documentary proof of citizenship laws may disproportionately impact Black and Latino voters and the elderly, low income, and rural voters. And so because of that, um, the Supreme Court is hearing cases uh, from states like North Carolina and Alabama, uh, which would be on a docket in October. The one in Alabama is actually going to be on October the 4th. Uh, so that was heavily uh, discussed. So basically, you have the majority of the company, you know, the country either have uh, restrictive bills or election interference, interference votes. And so those are some of the things that, that, that they're uh, talking about. Now, uh, the Australia broadcast uh, section will have uh, complete coverage of that 
October the 4th hearing between uh, Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill and a guy by the name of uh, Milliken. Uh, Milliken is uh, Milliken is actually uh, one of five, you know, individuals who have filed a lawsuit uh, with the state of Alabama over the uh, redistricting. Uh, that was passed in 2021. Um, the state legislature, of course, they had a, a special session and they determined that, that the lines, congressional lines that was drawn in the state was not only unconstitutional, but it violated the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And so that case is going to be heard in the Supreme Court on October the 4th. Also part of that lawsuit is uh, Greater Birmingham Ministry. So they are also part of that suit. So not only that you have these restrictive laws and interference laws, but you also, uh, there are also laws that will impose new or stricter voter ID requirements, uh, like in not you know, like uh, nine bills are moving in five states, such as Arizona, Missouri, New Hampshire, New York, and Pennsylvania. Um, then there, there are five bills moving in five states that would make voter registration more difficult, including shortening the deadline to register to vote, imposing new registering requirements that would uh, impede students' ability to vote, and prohibiting compensation for anyone who solicits a voter registration application, which could impose a significant burden on the vote on voter registration trial. And uh, but there, there are also states that there are also states such is there are also states in which uh, they uh, would make it a little bit easier uh, to vote. In fact, lawmakers in 44 states and in Washington, D.C. have considered at least 900, I mean, 596 uh, expanded bills that make voting easier during the 2022 legislative session. You know, for example, in Connecticut, um, there's a Connecticut law that expands vote, absentee voting excuses to allow voters who would be unable to appear at their polling place during some, rather, at all hours of voting on election day. And they're able to vote by mail. So there's a lot of jobs, you know, out there, or, you know, they may, uh, you know, maybe a caregiver or, or someone who is sick or have a disability, they're not able to, they're not able to vote on election day. So in Connecticut, there's a there's a law that expands absentee voting excuses. Uh, there's a similar bill in New York, in Oregon, in Arizona, in Connecticut, in New York which will 
so Connecticut, New York, uh, which were so which would be in effect in time for the November election. Then there's one, and then there's one law, Arizona Bill, Senate Bill 1638 would be effective on December 31st, 2022. In Oregon, there's a similar bill that passed in Oregon and that Secretary of State has until 2026 to implement that law. Access to mail voting. Uh, there are 19 bills in nine states in Washington, D.C. that are focused on expanding mail voting. 15 bills moving in 10 states that will create more opportunities for individuals to register to vote, including bills that will implement same day or election day registration, expanding automatic voting registration and allow individuals to register to vote online. 11 bills in six states and in the District of Columbia would make voting more accessible for voters with disabilities, including bills that would expand access to absentee ballot for voters with certain disabilities and a bill that would allow a voter with disabilities to mark a mail to mark a mail ballot instead of sign. Three bills or resolutions in three states, Iowa, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island would extend the voting rights or ballot access of individuals with past felony convictions, including automatic restoration of rights to vote and requiring voter registration efforts inside correctional facilities. So you've got some good and you've got some bad here, but overall, this is one of the things that was talked about in yesterday's. Uh, this so this is one of this this is one of the things that was talked about in yesterday's conference, and and that uh, the Howard on the line homecoming conference in 2022. And so some of these things will be on the ballot. Another thing that they talk about is some unique ways that that organizations are getting people out, you know, to vote. You know, back 30 years ago, uh, during the 1992 election, uh, hip hop music in general was being used to get people out to vote in a campaign called Rock the Vote. And we're going to see an incarnation of that this year. So there was a segment that that talked about that, that, you know, they're using uh, music and hip hop as a way of bringing, you know, you know, not only bringing people together, but to engage people, you know, registering to vote and getting them out to vote. So that's one of the things that they, they have talked about as well. Then the last thing that they talked about was the, the fact that uh, they highlight some of the issues that are relating to voter suppression, such as uh, the ir illegalities of descriptions within uh, the drawing of 
you know, district maps, or if it's uh, a congressional map, or it could be a, a state senate map or a state legislative map. It, it could either, you know, go down to your city council district or your county commission district. And some of the things that I have talked about uh, coincides with the redistricting of the lines so that one party will have you know, a fair advantage, you know, over, you know, over another. And that it would severely undermine uh, the political power and voting power of African-Americans, people of color, those that have disabilities, low income and, and rural areas. And we know that rural areas in most part of the country uh, are, are purely Republican, they're purely, you know, conservative. And so the lines are, are our favorite for those type of individuals. Uh, and especially incumbents, conservative incumbents, you know, who are in any legislative body, you know, to benefit from these lines so that they can continue to be, you know, reelected, continue to impose, you know, bills that's going to undermine of democracy. And so, again, that's one of the main things that was being discussed on yesterday's, you know, uh, uh, conference. And, and with that, with the election of these type of individuals, we're, we also see uh, policies in which uh, services and opportunities are also being undermined as well for uh, those same groups yeah, as well. So we really need to watch who we put in, you know, in these offices. And a lot of times, you know, people will say, well, because of all of this is going on and, and some people feel that, you know, democracy is, is doomed, that my vote does not count, you know, that no matter who I elect, you know, I'm not going to be well represented. So these people basically just stay away from voting. They stay away from election. They stay away from the political process. There's a lot of apathy, you know, going on because a lot of people, they don't trust government. They don't trust the election process. And that's where the Republican Party, that's what they want. So they can continue to control elections, control government, and we will no longer be in a democracy. These individuals will control our everyday lives. Is this is what we want? Do you want the government to control your, 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 your every move, what you say, what you do from the time you get up to the time you go to bed? That's, that's the time that we're living in. Those things are just are on the ballot. Reproductive rights are on the ballot in many states across the country. People, we, you know, and we're, we're so distracted by things that, you know, really does not, you know, pertain to survival, you know, and us, thriving, you know, they're just there to serve as a distraction while 
the real stuff is happening at, at a blink of an eye. We're not paying attention to that. So this conference that I went to yesterday, they, they brought that to life and it, it is it is really holding voters accountable. And and that's kind of like the strategy, you know, that's being used right now, you know, is is the fact that we have to hold people accountable. We have to we have to tell people that the, the seriousness, for example, of the election that's coming up in November. What, what you know, what's at stake? What's going to happen if we we don't do anything, we don't get out the vote, what's what's you know what's gonna happen? So we 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 really need to we really need to pay attention you, you know to that because all again all of these things I, I just mentioned are 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 on the ballot. And, and you know, and you know, and we all know there's an article here from September the seventh, you know, that says in Florida the right to vote can cost on August 16, 2022, um, new state laws would definitely impact people of color that are hard, like in Arizona and Georgia. There's a July 19, 2022 article on here that says that uh, uh, five state laws based on voter fraud is what will hamper future elections. Oh, and we ha I have to turn to, you know, this one, the Moore versus Harper. Um, that 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 was heavily uh, talked about at yesterday's conference. So this this is a case that's going on um, in North Carolina. That's going to, that's also going to be on the Supreme Court docket. And they're going to explore the concept of independent state, the independent state legislature theory. So what is the independent state legislator uh, theory? So this case, Moore versus Hopper, that, that's what it's, uh, it's talking about. So here's what it says. In Moore versus Harper, the Supreme Court would decide whether the North Carolina Supreme Court has the power to strike down the legislator's illegally gerrymandered congressional map for violating the North Carolina Constitution. The legislators have argued that a debunked interpretation of the U.S. Constitution, known as independent state legislator theory, renders the state courts a state constitution powerless in matters relating to federal election. Last year, North Carolina's Republican-dominated state legislator passed on a party-line vote, an extreme partisan gerrymandering gerrymander to lock in a supermajority of the state's 14 congressional seats. The gerrymandering was so extreme that an evenly divided pop popular vote 
would have awarded 10 of the 14 seats to Republican and only four to the Democrat. The map was a radical statistical outliner more favoring Republican than 99.99% of all possible. Because the Supreme U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that federal courts cannot hear partisan gerrymandering cases, voters contested the map in state court, contending that the map violated the state constitution's free election clause, among other provisions. In February 2022, the North Carolina Supreme Court agreed with voters and struck down the map, describing it as a dangerous and intentional partisan gerrymandering designed to enhance Republican performance and thereby give a greater voice to those voters than to any other. The unrepentant legislator proposed a second gerrymandered map prompting a state court to order a special master to create a fair map for the 2022 congressional election. Unwilling to accept this outcome, two Republican legislators asked the U.S. Supreme Court to step in and reinstate the gerrymandered map. So that's one of several cases that are coming before the Supreme Court. Another one, um, Mueller versus John Merrill is a similar example. Both of these cases will be heard in October. And so OBS is going to have a special report, you know, on both of these. So I'm not going to go into the logistics, you know, of you know of this, because when we do our special report, we're going to be talking about in depth the more Harper case. Moore versus Hopper case and the Merrill Milligan case. We're gonna be talking about that in general. And we not in general, we're gonna talk about that in more debt. And we will also have uh, coverage of both here. So that's gonna be between October the third and October the fifth that we will have coverage. You know, that we will give some background information. We will also have, if we're able to, uh, some live coverage and we will give some, you know, some highlights. There will also be a news conference and a rally as well that we're going to cover. So that's between July, I mean, sorry, that's going to be between October the 3rd and the 5th that we're going to. Uh, have complete coverage of those two court cases that's going to go before the U.S. Supreme Court. So definitely do not want to miss that. Uh, these two cases will not only have a direct impact on our election, but it's also going to have a significant, if not a very important, impact on our democracy. So you definitely don't want to miss that at all. We're going to have people from all over the country that's going to go to Washington, D.C. during that time, especially those who live in North Carolina and in Alabama, as uh, these two cases directly impact them. So you definitely don't want to miss that. 
we're, we're going to have some live coverage. We're going to have some highlights. We're going to have some commentary. We hope to talk to a lot of people uh, to give their insight and their analysis on this. So you, and this is prior to the 2022 midterm general election. So we're going to be talking about a little bit uh, of that as well. So we have a lot to talk about. I hope that you'll be able to tune in uh, with us. Uh, we'll have announcements. We'll start posting announcements as early as next week uh, so that you can uh, you know, know when we're on the air. Um, it mostly would be live, uh, but we will have some uh, uh, recorded highlights as well. Uh, so the highlights are going to be recorded. The, the press conference and the rally, uh, that's going to be live. And if, you know, if we can, uh, we'll have some, you know, some live interviews as well. And hopefully we'll be able to get some, uh, we'll, we'll be able to record some of the, uh, some of the happenings in, in, in both of these court cases as well with the U.S. Supreme Court. So I, it's going to be a busy three days uh, for us here at OBS. I hope that you'll be able to join us. It's going to be really informative. In fact, I hope that everything I mentioned here was informative as well. It was a great conference. I really enjoyed myself. It was very informative. We have a lot of uh, bright minds, both young and old, you know, black and white, male and female, it re really had a great time. It was, it was really informative. Um, and so their work will continue. Uh, they will follow us to DC uh, to continue this advocacy work. They, we will uh, continue to engage the public with uh, voter engagement, voter education. I'm sure there's gonna be a ride to the poll, polls. We're gonna make sure that we get people uh, rallying to go to the polls and focus so many things that are gonna be on the ballot. Uh, pretty much our democracy is on the ballot. Reproductive rights is on the ballot. So many things you know, that are on the ballot. I cannot think of a most important election than this one. So we're going to continue. So through these special reports and some regular broadcasts, we will continue our, our coverage of, of these court cases as well as the 2022 midterm general election. So I hope that you would uh, join us. And with that, we're going to that we're going to get ready to. Now we're going to get ready to close here. I, I hope that uh, you uh, was well abreast of you know of what's going on. Uh, just kind of gave some highlights of the of the conference that I attend to on uh, yesterday. The uh, power on the line homecoming 2022 conference because in actuality uh, 
our power, whether it's political power, whether it's voting power, it, it is definitely on the line. And as, as I mentioned here, uh, there's, there's so many things that are on the line that people need to be aware of. And I hope that I have done a great job in, in doing so. Uh, and so with that, uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this program. Hope it was informative and we will continue to look out for your interest. That's what we do here. Uh, we want to be informative. We want to be inspirational. We want to empower people. Uh, that's what this meeting is all about. And I hope that uh, you would tell your friends and your neighbors to you know, tune in to, to these podcasts, uh, whatever you get your podcast from. Uh, we will be posting these pretty soon. So, you know, we hope that you'll have opportunity to go to our Facebook page at Australia Broadcast section, as well as our YouTube channel, which is OBS International. You can actually look us up on YouTube. We're on Anchor at anchor.fm slash OBS and OBS letters is in capital letters. It's our capital letter. We hope that, uh, that you will be able to tune in uh, you know, to those. We're also on Spotify as well. So we hope that uh, whatever you get your podcast from, please tune in. We, we're growing in audiences. We're growing in numbers. So we want to keep that going as well. And we want to bring people on that we wanted to be themselves. We want, you know, people who are experts in their field that can really bring some information, break down this knowledge so that people will be empowered. That's what we're all about. And we will continue to do no less than that. So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. And we'll see you next time. The views expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is OBS Radio a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.